Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Easy Conversations, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host for Candandia. I'm really excited about this week's episode with Dr. Erica Harris. Dr. Harris and I recently connected over Instagram because I was truly inspired by her story of adversity. In this episode, Dr. Harris talks about her own journey through battling leukemia, uh, going through a lung transplant, and then going through a divorce, meanwhile being the mother of two little boys. I hope you can get a lot out of this episode because I sure did. If at the end of the episode you can leave a review, I would truly appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Dr. Erica. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I do uh, appreciate you taking the time to do this uh, and really grateful for your time. So um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you up front. And then uh, yeah, we'll just get started here. First of all, I just wanted to take the opportunity for you to introduce yourself. Um, I know I was able to uh, touch base with you and build a, a kind of contact over Instagram. Uh, I saw your story. I was really fascinated, and I was hoping uh, my listeners could also get something out of it. But uh, I'll let you uh, talk about yourself, and then uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah, you're right. I, I stand today as a well-versed, highly seasoned survivor. I am the very passionate founder of RiseToday.com, where I serve to help others overcome adversity and to find greater levels of happiness and well-being and success with the gift of today. I do so as a TEDx motivational keynote speaker, and I do so as a motivational life coach. I also serve as a uh, podcast host on our newly launched podcast, the Rise Today Inspirational Podcast. I uh, am a retired sports chiropractor and kinesiologist as well. Wow, so, lots going on there, um, but that's great. So I'm, again, glad that you came to m on my podcast. Maybe you can give me some feedback at the end. Yeah, uh, it's really honored to be here. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, so yeah, you, you spoke about uh, survivor and uh, motivational speaker. And, you know, I just was hoping that you could share a more a little bit more about that. Um, and maybe let's just get into it in terms of when you say survivor, what does that mean? Sure. So I think I mentioned that I, in my previous life, as I've now come to call it, um, I had served as a thriving sports chiropractor and kinesiologist where I inspired my community to attain its best health status. And I certainly practiced what I preached. I was uh, uh, seemingly a pillar of health and wellness and cancer was not on my agenda at the age of 35. In fact, I was still nursing my youngest. Um, and I hadn't even complained of feeling sick or unwell. And yet I found myself being diagnosed with what proved to be a very aggressive version of leukemia. Uh, it's known as acute myeloid leukemia, but I had a very rare version of mm -hmm. acute myeloid leukemia. Um, despite my most valiant of valiant efforts, I did not respond to even the harshest of chemotherapy regimens. I was awarded a two month terminal uh, prognosis having not responded. Um, I was even denied all further medical care aside from palliative care in 2012. Uh, this dire prognosis was even reconfirmed by a leading leukemia institute in Seattle. 
and I was really sent home to die. I just fought to go home. If I had two months to live, I had a lot of living to do. Yeah. Uh, and in this time, I always kind of describe that I prepared for the worst and I always expected the best. And so this fine balance of both where I certainly did do those heartfelt um, uh, recordings and scrapbooks for my boys and with tears streaming down my face the whole time. But with all of that emotion, also inherently fueling the fight on the other side. Yeah. And um, I pursued any and everything in the natural healthcare realm. And miraculously, I had attained remission. Um, I don't even think I was trying to get into remission. I was so sick. I think I was just trying to prolong yeah. that prognosis by even a day, a week. The value of a day just, just was exponentiated, right? Yeah. In, in, a, in a heartbeat. And, um, but miraculously, I uh, attained a complete remission on that path. Only then was I able to serve as a recipient um, for what's called a bone marrow transplant. Mm -hmm. And this serves as, quote unquote, the cure to prevent against relapse from having such an aggressive cancer. Um, had there even been one leukemic cell floating in my bloodstream, it could have all come back so fast and furiously. Mm -hmm. And this bone marrow transplant was only made possible with <laughs> utmost gratitude to a complete stranger actually from halfway around the world. Because in my time of need, my only brother proved not to be a match. And this worldwide exhaustive search had been healed on my behalf to find this perfect 10 out of 10 match. And how lucky was I? We've only come to meet two years after this, but he's this young, hearty, healthy, um, mountaineering adventurer from Germany, believe it or not, who just rose to help in my time of need. Mm -hmm. And only with thanks to him was I able to serve as a recipient for this transplant. And this gifted me a second chance at life. And mm -hmm. gosh, I was just like, words just don't even convey the, the depth of the gratitude to get to keeping mummy to these two beautiful boys. Yeah. And um, I grew strong. I was back to hiking every mountain and soaring down on, on them all with my, on my skis and teaching my babies how to ski. And I don't know if you've ever taught a, a little one how to ski. It's, it requires a lot of physical fitness, right? Yeah. So I was definitely back on my feet and just on cloud nine, obviously. But this burst, um, this burst of health was very short-lived short-lived and um uh my new hearty immune system had kind of woken up looked around and said shoot i don't recognize these lungs yeah. and on my hikes i started to notice that i couldn't just take in enough air and um and and i was really really winded and really out of breath and as you can see i like to talk but i wasn't able to have my my conversations on these big hikes and i kind of mentioned it to my physicians and I think we kind of missed the, the severity of which the process was taking place. And mm -hmm. I was just so grateful because I didn't care, right? If I, if I hiked up the mountains or if I just walked along the seawall, I was just yeah. so happy to get to be alive. Um, but then this process of this, this attack, oh, sorry, that was my puppy. Um, this process of attack of um, how my new immune system didn't recognize my own lungs. It almost attacked my own lungs like it would a cold or a flu through this process of rejection. Mm -hmm. And it did a very thorough job. I fell to, to 84 pounds. I was on full-time oxygen. I was super, super, super sick. Um, 
and uh, my only chance of survival uh, was deemed to be a double lung transplant. And this was a really hard time because every day I was getting worse at this point. I was losing more function. I grew cataracts in my eyes from the steroids that I had been on um, to try to prevent this rejection. I could barely see, I couldn't see the television. I couldn't read a book, I couldn't drive. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't go for a walk. I was, I felt just so trapped. It was so hard. If I walked across my own kitchen, I felt like I would lose control of all bodily function. It was just the, the hardest time. And then for something great to happen to me, something terrible had to happen to somebody else. And so how does one come to grapple with that? That was mm -hmm. a really, really hard time. Yeah. And then only with thanks, um, and immense gratitude to the family of another who, in their most trying of trying times bestowed the gifts of gifts of breath to me, did I receive a double lung transplant in August of 2015. And um, the rise and fall uh, uh, sadly continued. Uh, with this new gift of breath also came uh, a new virus that I hadn't been exposed to before. And it's a very prevalent common virus that really is of no sequela to the general population, but to an immune compromised um, girl, it has a, a big consequence. It comes mm -hmm. with a big consequence in tow. I faced another year in hospital. I grew resistant to all forms of treatment available. I was known as the Hail Mary of our hospital yet again. And, um, and miraculously this Easter weekend in 2017, I started to grow my own immunoglobulins to this bug. And I've been quite strong and on the rebound ever since. Six weeks after I was finally home that year in 2017, after finally being home and just so eager for that calm after the storm, yeah. my husband chose to divorce. And I then faced extensive legal battles and a move and just barely getting back on my feet. And despite all of the obvious hardships that I've yeah. endured, I just feel so incredibly blessed to have navigated all that I've just shared. I feel as though I have been picked out of this worldwide population to go through this tidal wave and to be pummeled around and around and around and around some more to yeah. come out of it on this side to get to serve in the ways that I do now. I just feel so incredibly blessed. And there have been so many silver linings entrenched every step of that journey. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm lost for words here. That's phenomenal in terms of how you've been able to navigate through all of that. And I mean, we'll definitely get into it because one of the things I want to understand is what kept you going. Um, but before that, I mean, uh, just to put it in context, like from start to finish, like how long was this battle with everything in your life? Just, you know, one after the other. Uh, how long was that battle? Like, it must have felt yeah. like a lifetime, but yeah, I mean, I, I had I had peaks and valleys in this time too, yeah. but but basically, I would say the hub of it was 2012 to 2017. That said, you can't go through all that I've shared and come up completely unscathed, mm -hmm. right? And so I still experience little hiccups here and there, and it's just kind of par for the course. But I always do see it as a very small price to pay for the gift of being alive. Absolutely. And when you talk about hiccups, what do you mean? Like, is that just the trauma of it all or, or just, yeah, like whatever, you know, just the adversity of it? Sure. Um, no, I mean, I mean, the physical effects more so. Oh, okay. um, I've lost permanent vision in my right eye. 
Um, I still have ongoing rejection in, in small parts, right? In different, in different places, it'll pop up and, and cause havoc from time to time, much more manageable and much more yeah. controllable. But you kind of change, right? With having a bone marrow transplant, you kind of give up having cancer, having this leukemia for having rejection. Yeah. And um, for reasons they can't even describe, greater amounts of rejection equate to um, less chance of relapse. And yeah. so for me, the rejection is actually a positive at the same yeah. time as being hard to endure. Um, yeah, I've, uh, my, my poor little kidney really struggled with the medications for that darn virus, <clears throat> mm-hmm. excuse me. And um, my kidney has struggled definitely with that. Um, I have low bone density, doesn't really stop me. I'm still up there skiing in the mountains, Yeah. Um, but I have low bone density. So I'll get some silly little fractures every now and then. I lost my cycle at the age of 35, which also <clears throat> creates problems for potential strokes and, um, and, and again, this low bone density issue. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's always a lot of factors that you're always overcoming, but I take great pride in how proactive I am, um, in my health and in fueling my mind and my body on this journey. For sure. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. And I guess with the immune immune system being compromised and all of that, are you concerned at all? I mean, with Mm. kind of the current status we're in with the coronavirus and, you know, what kind of concerns do you have? Sure. So I'm definitely very immune compromised. I'm probably at the top of the charts for being immune compromised in terms of uh, people in Canada. Um, um, And I recognize the risk that um, COVID brings, excuse me, I have a little tickle in my voice right now. I've been talking too much on Zoom today. Um, um, I definitely am very respectful of COVID um, and all that that brings. But to be honest, being immune compromised, it's not just COVID for me, right? It's, yeah. it's a cold or it's a flu or any other random bug can really, can really wreak havoc. Um, and so on the flip side, as scary as COVID really is for us all, I also feel, <clears throat> excuse me, like we live in this world that's so much more conscious of infection control mm-hmm. that I think it's a safer world for me overall, right? Yeah. Everyone's more aware um, and has adopted different patterns. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we've come a long way from the onset to now of being more mindful and taking care of ourselves. Uh, definitely, you know, I've seen the the transformation too. Um, you, you know, going back to like, uh, I guess, 2012. So, you know, you're 35 uh, and you have two boys, right? And mm-hmm. you were nursing your second one. I'm, yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, fairly active, healthy, you know, and I think a lot of us take that for granted too, you know, like being just healthy and active that you, you're almost invincible. So then to find out you've got two months to live, what kind of questions were going through your head? Like, you know, why me? How can this happen? You know, like, I've heard that from other people, but what was it like for you to find that news out? It's an excellent question. Um, and it's really important to comment on that that diagnosis back then because, you know, it, it really is life interrupted. I hadn't complained of feeling unwell. I was literally standing in the aquarium with my two babies, so eager to run down and visit all of their sea friends when I had this call from the lab that I had just visited 20 minutes before doing a very routine lab, mm-hmm. um, more so just a checkup, follow up. And yeah. I had this call 
watching my kids race down the hall with utter glee, um, we had plans for the month ahead to go on a family holiday, to be lakeside in the interior of British Columbia. We were planning the party of my oldest for his fifth birthday party. He was soon to attend kindergarten. We had kindergarten orientation coming up. I had planned a picnic lunch for this day, right yeah. after our visit to the aquarium. Cancer mm -hmm. was not on my agenda. I had a life full of hopes and dreams and goals to tend to. And I get this call and I'm standing in the middle of the aquarium and I almost didn't answer it because reception at the aquarium, it's terrible, mm -hmm. right? You can barely hear who's on the other end. And I really needed to catch up to these two little legs racing ahead. Yeah. And um, I picked it up almost as, as it was about to go to voicemail. And I heard on the other end, this sound of panic almost and urgency. And the voice said, is this Erica Harris? And I said, yes, speaking. And he said, well, this is the lab and you were just here and you just did a lab and you need to go to the nearest emergency room and you need to avoid all public places. Mm -hmm. And nothing sunk in at that time because literally I had just left the lab and then we drove straight to the aquarium. It must have yeah. been about a 20 minute drive, 15. And I'm standing in the aquarium just thinking, oh my gosh, no, no, no. Like you have a mistake. Like you've mixed up my results with those of someone else's. This is exactly yeah. what I told them. And I said, I literally just left there. There's no way you could have my results back. And it's, it's all just a big mistake. And, you know, to be honest, I'm standing in the most public of public places yeah. as we speak and I'm totally fine. And then I lost reception and I didn't actually think twice about it for the rest of the day. We carried yeah. on with our day. We did that family picnic down at the beach just with my boys. My husband was working at that time. Mm hmm and went home and I tucked them into bed and then I checked voicemail and I had a ton of voice messages all in regards to this darn lab and I had no clue when I say I had no clue I, I was sick I really had no clue sure in hindsight yeah. there were symptoms but I didn't put them together I was so like just on autopilot but I was this pillar of health and wellness right and I just did not see it coming and so when you ask you know what went through my mind when I was first diagnosed, the why me, the this and that, of course, right? We all go through that. Yeah. Um, for me, it, I didn't know if it was so much the why me as what did I do so wrong? Because mm -hmm. I wanted to know that one thing, right? That one thing that I wouldn't do again. Yeah. I wanted to know exactly what I did to get cancer. Mm -hmm. and that really left me stuck for a while because I'm sure as you know, with cancer, there's not going to be that one thing. Right. No. I didn't smoke. I was lived a very healthy life. I kept questioning myself. Did I eat too many fruit and vegetables? Like, what did I do so wrong? Mm -hmm. But over time, that 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 talk that I had with myself really changed to what did I do so right? Yeah. Yeah. To have been gifted that whole journey. Yeah. No, I, I mean, again, thanks for sharing that. And just the 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 aspect of reframing it you know, is, is so positive, but again, you know, when you're in that moment, it's, it's obviously hard, right? Cause like you said, you were questioning probably everything you did along the way and looking back and trying to figure out where it was that you kind of slipped up and that led to this situation. Um, so this notion of being positive that you bring up, it's a really big topic of conversation, right? There yeah. is like almost this societal pressure to be positive that's deeply ingrained within society to do so no matter what is on our plate no matter what we're facing 
be positive, be positive. And I was a full believer of this hundred percent. And it's not that I don't support a positive mindset. Um, but it's really come with a huge aha moment for me on this journey, because when I was first diagnosed, I didn't want to let it sink in. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. This is just a blip. I really see myself as being fine, just a blip. I've I've got this. And, um, I kind of projected this image of positivity, right? Um, even one of my really close friends had come in saying, wow, if any of us, it's like really lucky, this is you, it's happening because you're the most positive and that's going to get you through. Yeah. Right. And so I was entertaining 60 guests every single day and I would invite them all to come watch me on my exercise bike, pushing two huge poles of chemotherapy down the hall, right? Yeah. Not letting any of this sink in. I was a hostess with the mostest. What can I get yeah. you from, from the water fountain? Like yeah. ice or no ice, right? And, but at the end of the day, they all leave yes. and they all go back to their world, right? Whether they're having family dinner with their kids that you're just yearning to have, mm-hmm. whether they're going for a family picnic, whether they're the ones doing that family trip to the lake that you didn't get to do. Yeah. Right. And everybody leaves. And then you're left with those four white walls of that hospital room staring back at you. And those four white walls in my hospital room started to talk Mm -hmm. and they would hear the hurt that was in my heart. But yet every day, the next day, there'd be, it'd be a room full of more guests. And so I never really let those conversations sink in until this one day when we had had to hire a new nanny to help care for our children. Yeah, And she brought my boys in to see me. And all of a sudden, I was just struck, like, like just out of the blue, by the presence of this complete stranger sitting in the corner of my room while my babies were on the bed with me. Mm-hmm. And having that, the fact that she had access to our family's most intimate and vulnerable of moments. And I was just, I was really put off by that. Yeah, And I watched as she left with my babies. And I watched, I could see from my penthouse view above, I could see her load my kids into my vehicle yeah. down below. And all of a sudden, my, my mind just panicked. Oh my gosh, like, is she going to buckle them up properly? Is she going to speed on her way home? Is she going to shoulder check when she changes, like, when she changed lanes? Like, oh my goodness, I just panicked. Yeah. And I wanted to be the one driving them home to make dinner and to tuck them into bed. I wanted to be that. Yeah. And I watched my car drive out of sight that day. And I think a lot of people have assumed I've had a lot of physical pain on this journey, which I have not. I've been very Mm -hmm. blessed. I have not. But that day was by far the most physical pain I've ever experienced before since that moment. And my heart literally drove away with that vehicle that day. And I turned around from my window and I was all alone in my room at this point. And I just slunk down towards the floor. I grabbed my knees and towards my chest and I wept. Yeah. And I wept and I wept and I wept. And I don't think I stopped for days. Mm-hmm. I needed to let go of the deep hurt and anger that came in tow with those words, you have cancer. And I needed to grieve the loss of all that it had come to steal from me. Mm-hmm. That trip to the lake. I missed my son's fifth birthday party that I had planned for months. I didn't get to go to that kindergarten orientation. I had to stop nursing my youngest abruptly. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to see him run through his first little sprinkler that summer. And I had to let myself feel the hurt of all of that. But in today's world, it's almost, 
it's almost hard to do because at that point, then the floor psychiatrist came in and, you know, she's like, I hear you've been crawling. I'm going to prescribe anything for you. What can I give you? What drug cocktail can I mm -hmm. give you? And I said, no, 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 no. Like I just had to advocate for myself and say, the only thing that's going to fix this hurt is to get to be mummy to those two beautiful boys. Yeah. And I need one sound mindset to get to do so. And I also need the space to let out the hurt that all of this has brought. You probably should have been asking me when I was on that darn exercise bike, pushing my two huge poles of chemotherapy. Hey, are you really okay? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I was masking that I wasn't okay. And I was bearing that deep within. And I really do believe on this journey of, that when we mask those emotions and when we bury those emotions, that they transform within us, whether it's to cancer or heart disease or mental illness, they, they, they transform and they evolve. And these negative emotions, we, we definitely need to experience them and to let ourselves feel them and let them out. And then that also fuels that fight on yeah. the other side. Yeah, no, I think that's a very important message. So, you know, it sounds like you were at least initially avoiding the truth, right? Yes. By having people around you and, and taking care of them or spending time with them. And until you didn't actually face the pain or the hurt uh, of, of whatever, you know, all the news that had come at you, you weren't able to actually process it. But interestingly, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't just, um, it was really letting go of the hurt mm -hmm. that really came with that. Yeah. And that aha moment that I had had wasn't just about that diagnosis, but it was also about a lot of hurt that I had buried from earlier on in my years. Yeah. And really just letting go and letting yeah. myself have this safe space to feel it all. Mm -hmm. Because I, I really only believe then that that's when we can really be our true, authentic, genuine, positive self moving mm -hmm. forward with that strong, positive mindset. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on it a little bit. And, you know, as a parent, um, I guess, for myself to what resonated is the fact that, you know, it was really important for you to be, you know, their mother and be around. And what was it like thinking about, okay, I, if I only have two months left, what happens to my children? What was, Gosh. what was that like? And, you know, how were you able to get through all of that? Sounds came out of me that day that I didn't know existed. And um, just take it back one sec. You were talking about, um, you know, leading up to that, how I kept a lot of people in the room and how I had all these strategies. I had developed my own emotional avoidance strategies mm -hmm. to cope and to survive up to that point, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that that's why I was doing it, but mm -hmm. I was really trying to avoid the deeper emotion within. Yeah. And then on this day, this aha moment only came days before this, this two month terminal prognosis, before I got word of this, just days. And so this lesson almost came too late. I still believe this lesson had a powerful influence in my survival, but it almost came too late. Yeah. And so then just days later, I am, I'm hearing the words, gosh, you didn't respond to the salvage chemotherapy and we didn't expect this, but there's nothing else. And this is the end of the line treatment. And we expect you to have approximately two months to live. And you're right. This was July 31st, 2012. And I remember saying, I'm not going to be here for Christmas. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, I couldn't comprehend it. And I was like, 
Who is going to make Christmas as special for my kids as it needs to be? Who is, who's going to make their birthdays as special? Who is going to be their shoulder to cry on? Who is going to stand on mountains with them? Mm -hmm. Who's going to be the first to greet them each and every day? And sounds came out of me that I didn't know existed before that moment. And I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere on that floor. Those sounds, those, it was so loud and so vocal. Um, they were so tiny and I was so worried that they would never get the chance to truly know how much I truly and utterly adored every tiny thing about them. Yeah. But I'm really, really, really excited that they're now 13 and 10. And they, <laughs> they definitely know how much I truly and love every tiny thing about them. Yeah, no, that's uh, again, great to hear. And, you know, as you were going through the motions, like, you know, earlier on, you mentioned that your goal was to keep pushing it out one day, one day, you know, even if you could push one day out, at least that was an extra day you were getting with your kids. And, and why was that so important to you? And then how were you able to do that? Sure. So the value of time, the value that lies in a day, it's, it's priceless. Yeah. Right? And one more day, I think there's a song, one more day. One more day was just such a priceless gift. Mm -hmm. um, I miraculously attained remission by pushing it out one more day, right? But just even the value of one day, um, it was just so pure. And so the reality of that was so clear. Yeah. Um, what, what kept me going a lot, believe it or not, was this personal power statement that um, really evolved from my oldest son. And when I first heard the words, you have cancer, I didn't know how to translate that to my kids. Mm -hmm. They were so tiny. I knew that they wouldn't understand that word cancer, but I knew I myself would crumble if I came to say that word mm -hmm. and I didn't want to crumble with them. Yeah. And so I remember explaining to them that we all have these fighters to fight colds and bugs, but that mama's fighters just weren't as strong right now. And that's very much in keeping with the nature of leukemia um, because you don't have any red blood cells. You mm -hmm. don't have enough platelets and certainly you don't have enough white blood cells to fight infections. Yeah. And so that's kind of the line that I took to explain this to my kids and my oldest, um, my kids are, my kids are so beautiful. My youngest is more of like this Buddha boy. So inward, so reflective. He just yeah. sees the world in a different way. He's got so much to bring to our great world. It's, it's incredible for his wee years. And my oldest, he is like this bright sunshine that makes any room a brighter and happier space. He just He's not quite as observant, but he just walks in. He's up to trying anything and he just makes everyone happy. Mm -hmm. He just has this affinity to do so, just as he did on that really hard and dark day. And as I was getting ready to leave for the hospital, literally standing at the door, my oldest shouted out, go fighters, go mama, <laughs> with this exuberant, sentence and energy and that was so full of promise and positivity yeah. and hope and encouragement. And this tiny little sentence, go fighters, go mama, instantly became what I call my personal power statement. And through all of those moments that I didn't think I had enough strength to stay the course for another day, hour, or even minute ahead, to be very honest. And there were many 
of those moments with all of these, all of the unimaginable dignities that I've come to face, many of those moments. Mm -hmm. I would repeat that power statement to myself. Sometimes nobody would know it was all just to myself in my head, but sometimes like even violently screaming it out to myself, like go fighters, go mama, go fighters, go until it really fueled me with that strength to persevere and to stay the course for that next minute, hour or day ahead. And without fail, it always fueled me because it always kept me pointed and honed in on my North star and at the, at the gold prize at the end of that rainbow, right? That always does come yeah. after the storm. And so despite all of the chaos and all of the noise, it would silence my mind and keep me focused on my North star. And so that go fighters go really powered me through. And in this time, when I had this two month terminal prognosis, as mm -hmm. I said, I was very real about accepting the potential in making these heartfelt albums in making these recordings um, in making preparations, right? Because yeah. we definitely need to be prepared. Um, but at the same time, I always expected the best and I pursued any and everything in the natural healthcare realm. I read self-help books. I, um, I did a ton of green juicing. I changed my dietary patterns. I had always eaten um, a diet rich in legumes and fruit and vegetables. And apparently the beans that I had loved to eat, it was, I would say, considered to be an anti-cancer diet before I had diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. But in this two-month terminal prognosis time, we sought opinions from all over the world in natural healthcare measures and even um, other medical alternatives uh, from all over the world. And all of them consistently came back telling me without speaking to each other that I needed to consume a lot more animal protein. Mm. And I was like, huh? Like this just did not, doesn't add up. Yeah. And this was really hard for me, but they wanted it to swim, squawk, run, jump, swim with every single meal. And this was really, really hard for me to start to practice. But I kind of heard this as such a constant theme. And with leukemia, I'm not sure if it's just leukemia specifically, mm -hmm. right? But with leukemia, you really need those protein building blocks to build those blood cells. Mm -hmm. And so I added a lot more protein into my diet. I did this green juicing, uh, a lot of green juicing every day that we made from home. Um, I did vitamin C injections. I did other naturopathic supplements. I did mushrooms and herbs and other vitamin injections. Um, I did meditation. I adopted the practice of transcendental meditation and found this whole new world that I just really connected with and mm -hmm. really loved. I um, continued to let go of emotions that I had buried from years before. And I truly came to, found, to find such joy in the power of now. My mind was off the future mm -hmm. and it was on the value of today. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know what changed it. If it was the <laughs> green juicing, the waving the magic crystals, a gift from above, or this fierce love being enveloped with forces of love from all corners of the world as I truly was, or my fierce yearning to get to be mummy. Yeah. I don't really know. Just having this, this passion and this belief, right? These visualizations that I truly saw myself surviving. I didn't necessarily see the way that that would happen, but I, I kept hold to these visualizations and I, I truly saw it. I felt it and I believed in myself. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, you know, <laughs> there's a common theme. Everyone I've been talking to, uh, it's, it's 
taking that holistic approach and focusing on the present and not getting lost in the past or or the future. And it, it seems to be a reoccurring theme. And everyone I talked to said, you know, whether, and obviously in your case, it, it was a lot different, but any adversity people are going through, they've been taking this holistic approach and just focusing on, on the now and it's making a huge difference in their lives. I think, I think a lot of people are looking for a magic bullet, right? <laughs> one, one thing and I can't offer that, but yeah. I really went inward and did this huge transformation and I yeah. truly evolved on this journey. And I was told uh, by someone near and dear that I was coming into this journey as a caterpillar mm-hmm. and that I would come out of it as a butterfly with these big, beautiful, bright wings. And I mm-hmm. truly feel that that is exactly what has unfolded. But I had to go through this process like this caterpillar would in that phase where I was almost cocooning, right? Yeah. And really choosing to grow from within and to transform and to evolve and to do the work that that required to do. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, for sure. And when I was listening to your talk there on TEDx, what I what I thought was really fascinating also was uh, the, the name of the person who donated their uh, bone marrow. And I thought that was an amazing part of the story too. And do you, do you mind sharing that a little bit? I would love to. So this is a really special story for me. Um, so in the summer um, that was really hard in 2012, the team kept coming in with bad news, bad news, bad news. Mm-hmm. And then one day on July 30th, the team came in racing in all sporting the biggest of smiles. And they were like, oh my gosh, we found you this perfect 10 out of 10 donor. Like I said, it was a worldwide exhaustive search, yeah. takes weeks to sample these tests. And this was just the best day. Just hearing this news just made me feel like I would not only survive, but that I would truly, truly thrive. And that day was a great day to have been blessed with this news because there was a long since planned out wedding where my boys were due to be the ring bearers in this wedding. And I was able to go out on this two hour path to watch my boys do their big job in this Mm -hmm. wedding. I helped them with their tuxedos before and I could watch through the window. I wasn't even allowed to go in Mm -hmm. uh, to where the ceremony was held because I was so immunocompromised. Um, But I watched from the window and just my heart just beamed with such pride and just this feeling of being on cloud nine that again, I would not only survive, but that I would truly thrive. Mm -hmm. So that was July 30th. And then the very next day was July 31st where I heard the words that I was devastatingly not in remission as I did not respond to even this harshest of harshest chemotherapy regimens. And again, as I was just saying, this takes weeks of testing to find out if there's a perfect match. Had I not known on July 30th, I never would have been given that information. I was immediately, all the, all the other samples were immediately discarded as testing because I was no longer considered a a potential candidate to Mm -hmm. serve as a recipient for this much needed transplant. I was off the books right? because I'm not in remission and you have to first be in remission to get this transplant. Mm -hmm. And, um, but leaving the hospital and fighting to go home, right? If I've got two months to live, I had a lot of living to do. At the same time, I also felt that I was given this information to hold on for some reason, mm-hmm. right? And I really, really believed in that. And so again, in my efforts of trying to stay healthy enough to extend the time for one day, I was also trying to stay healthy enough 
to convince someone somewhere in the world to give me this bone marrow transplant without first being in remission. And I had no idea how that would happen. I was way too sick to travel, but this was the hope that I was holding on to. And this was every effort that I had made in this time was fueled by this hope, by knowing that this donor existed. And then fast forward through this whole story and I get to meet my donor two years after, maybe three years after. Um, and you can apply and go through this process. If you're both keen to meet, you can exchange information. Yeah. So the organization will do this on your behalf. And we were both keen to meet. And I came to meet my donor through, through social media, through Facebook. Yeah. We're very good Facebook friends. <laughs> and um, we were due to meet this summer. But with COVID, I didn't make it to Europe with my kids. But anyhow, when we connected, I was so aghast to learn his last name, um, which is what I call it hope, but Hoppe in its home country of Germany. Yeah. But for all the hope he brought to me, his last name is hope and it means all the same. Yeah. Um, you know, and had he not gone out and got tested when he heard that he could be a potential match, had he not even been registered on this international stem cell registry, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation today. Yeah. So how fortunate I am, despite once being this pillar of health and this poster child for health and wellness, I have become the poster child for Canadian blood services and for all three of their facets of blood donation, of stem cell donation, bone marrow, and of, of organ donation, given my lungs. So mm -hmm. I really encourage and, and hope that your listeners will get out and, and donate and sign on their, sign their names on their organ donation cards yeah. and get registered on the international stem cell registry and donate blood and give life. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually going to donate blood in a couple of days. So. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I actually so. have two blood transfusions tomorrow, right? So part yeah. of the path that I was saying, there's still these little hiccups, right? Yeah. Two blood, two blood transfusions tomorrow. Never once have I been told that there's not enough in the tank. I'm just so appreciative. So there are so many people though, right? In need. And it doesn't just impact me, myself, I get to be mummy to these two beautiful boys and impact yeah. such a circle all around me. And I'm so thankful. So thank you for your effort. Yeah, you're welcome. No, it's happy to help always. Um, so I, I just wanted to quickly touch on, you know, now you mentioned in your story, you're on the ski hill and, you know, you're with your kids and all of a sudden you realize that you're having problems breathing. You can't breathe like you used to. And um, and then ultimately you found out you needed, uh, you know, new lungs. So how was that? Like at that point where you like, okay, here we go again. Or was it like, no, I think I've, I'm ready for this. I've already gone through adversity and I can fight this. What was it like? Great question. So this, this whole journey, it's been such an emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And I think when I started to decline, I was totally that powered up girl. I was like, ah, oh, I've got this, right? Yeah. I survived this two month terminal prognosis. I've got this, I'm ready, yeah. I can take this, right? But then when all the tools that I had adopted um, were kind of unsuccessful on this journey, it was hard, it was a hard go. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I've come to describe rejection because obviously my kids at their age, this story is very confusing for adults, mm -hmm. let alone for two boys. But I've always described rejection as you know, there are sometimes two kids at the playground who don't get along, but mommy has a playground now of two friends and sometimes they don't get along, mm -hmm. right? And there were no tricks in my toolbox that I could do to help these players get along, yeah. per se. 
And that was really hard and declining every day at such a rate of decline that I was declining. It was really isolating. It was really hard. But that was also the time that made me really go even more inward. And I always do believe that every time we fall, every time we go down, we're knocked down or something strikes and comes our way. We can't control what comes to us. But there are always lessons in that adversity that come in tow. And if we find the space to be still enough, and we can hear those lessons, mm -hmm. we can truly evolve and change on that path. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and then, you know, to, at the end, going through everything, then you, you're finally ready to settle down, be home, be with your family. And then you get the news of, you know, your ex-husband wanting a divorce and, you know, what was like that. And, you know, I've been gone, I've gone through the same process and it is tough, you know, the legal aspect of it and everything, but to go through everything you had gone through and then come to this and get this news, like how, how was it? Like, what did it make, what sure. did it make you feel? Sure. So I'm not going to pretend this journey was not impossibly hard on our marriage. There was just no time left to devote to us. And marriage is something that requires time and energy and work. And we just didn't have that ability. We had so much thrown at us. And so it was very hard on our marriage, especially towards the latter few years. In the beginning, we kind of had a firm, firm front, but those creeps kind of crept in in the latter years. Yeah. And never do they tell you, right? When you're being diagnosed with cancer, um, that 50% of cancer diagnoses of young marriages end in divorce. You just, you just don't even think about that when you're hearing those words, right? Yeah. Maybe if you did hear those stats, you would focus more on your marriage somehow. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how we could have, but, yeah. um, and also sadly women, uh, facing a cancer diagnosis are in fact, six times more likely to face divorce than a young man facing, uh, the same diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so eyes wide open, it was really hard. Right. But I guess I think I always saw our relationship fixing, getting better, back on track per se, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Once I was well, right? And then once there was more time mm -hmm. to kind of devote back to us. So I definitely knew it was hard, but I also saw that it would be repaired, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I think when all this happened, it was really hard because I felt like we were kind of gypped from everything we went through. We just weren't given that chance to try to fix it. Yeah. And maybe it was irreparable. I'm not sure. But I felt like we did we we had earned and, and deserved the chance to try. And so I felt like that was ripped away. And so that was that was a hard swallow because for me, I'm a girl who really believes wholeheartedly in that family unit of four. Mm -hmm. And I just saw that as the end point. And so when this was getting disrupted, this is what I felt a tremendous guilt with for my children. Not only did I feel guilty at one point for getting sick, right? But now exposing them to this and taking away that family unit mm -hmm. as one of the hardships of getting sick, it was really, really hard to go through. Um, and then facing legal battles. My husband, my ex-husband has been divorced before and he's, and he's a lawyer. And so I felt really kind of um, not prepared for all yeah. of that pain. And um but at the end of the day, despite all of those hardships, I just don't think I would have ever come to find the level of happiness and inner joy and enlightenment, I would say, that I've come to, found within, come to find within myself without every one of the hardships that have come in tow, including mm -hmm. divorce. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I think you and I chatted about this before too, but that guilt of breaking the family unit that your kids have. And then after the fact, looking back and finding gratitude in being able to be yourself and the best version of yourself for your kids. Mm -hmm. And what, what was that like that for you? Yeah. So it was a bit of a, um, I don't know, a bit of a turning point, right? When I, when I saw that light that I can be me and how I want to raise these babies and in teaching them the values that are really in my heart and in being my best self when they come back, because they do spend time with dad. Right. And so then when they come back through those doors, I've done all the me things. And so then when they're back, it's a hundred percent dedication focused to, to my babies. Right. Yeah. And what a gift that that is as well. And so all of these adversities, um, that I've faced, even with illness, you can see the strength that it has created in my children. And they say that kids who have experienced adversity in their years come to thrive through adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. Because they, they have a sense of what it's like to navigate hard days and, um, and they adopt resilience. And I always say my kids are the most resilient, empathetic little souls that, that I could ever possibly meet. And they truly know the value that lies in each day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's amazing. And so you're here now and you know, you're, you're serving, you're sending the same message to others, you're uh, inspiring others. And what, what motivated you to do that after everything you'd gone through um, and starting your own, you know, uh, business and all of that being a coach? um, Yeah, what brought you here? Sure. So this just sort of unfolded naturally, I have to say at first, I was invited to speak um, a very, uh, on behalf of various medical bodies who knew of my story. And um, so I spoke at different international medical conferences and really just came from a point of sharing my story and sharing my profound ap- appreciation for the Canadian medical healthcare system and that we're so blessed to have because despite concerns of timing and weights and whatnot, when we really need it, the system is there for us 100%. And, um, And so I think it started to evolve naturally, these speaking efforts. And then I started to be asked to speak by different corporations, to speak on the power of positivity and how that influences productivity. Um, I started to be asked to speak for different foundations and it just sort of flew from there. And I really loved um, connecting with the audience in that way and inspiring others to live their best life today and, and to give them these tools to overcome adversity. And then from these speaking ventures, I would be approached by others who heard me um, to perhaps help with adversities that they were facing on their path. And, Mm -hmm. and I found that to be very rewarding and as did they. And so um, that also just grew somewhat inherently, they would send me others who were facing adversity, whether it's, you know, cancer or another trying health diagnosis, whether it's divorce, whether it's career struggles, whether it's just feeling lost or stuck Mm -hmm. or someone who's seeking just greater levels of happiness and joy and well-being and success, right? And and sharing these profound tools that I've learned on my journey as to what kept me afloat and these powerful mindset strategies that I've adopted to, to, to create this inner joy within myself. And I feel so compelled to 
do all of this and so blessed to serve in this way. I feel just compelled to pay forward, breathing through the lungs of another, right? And having the bone marrow and the blood of another that fuels my every pursuit. My blood type even changed from O negative to A positive. Like how lucky am I? Good score on that test, right? Like how, but I just feel so compelled to pay it all forward. And so I I love, I love how I get to serve the world now. That's amazing. And if you had to, you know, give any word of advice to people that are struggling or facing adversity, what's the one thing you would tell them? Gosh, one thing is hard, but um, (laughs) take back your power uh, that adversity comes to steal. Um, Rewrite your history in the most empowering of ways. Rewrite that diagnosis. Take a proactive role. Focus on the power of now. Create this community of sport of people that build you up and and um, and really be proactive about who is in that circle. Um, be real, right, about the hard emotions mm-hmm. that come your way and experience. Let yourself have this safe space to experience those emotions. Um, I don't know. Visualize, see, yeah. feel, and believe in your own success and believe in you. Yeah, no, thank you. That's amazing. And again, you know, I am so grateful for you to come on here, share this message, share your story. Uh, you know, I'm definitely inspired. Uh, and that is the reason why I reached out to you. So thank you again. Um, and if people wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to find you? I, I know you mentioned some of the ways, but uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. So my, my website is risetoday.com. Feel free to email motivation at risetoday.com. I am also very active on Instagram. Uh, it's under Dr. Erica Harris. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm also under Dr. Erica Harris. A little bit on Facebook, not as much, uh, more personally, but Erica Harris there. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Aw, thank you. It's been an honor. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And again, please leave a review at the end of the episode. I would truly appreciate it. Until next week.